This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Coming up this hour, nearly 200 Afghan children are still in U.S. custody. We'll talk to the ProPublica reporters following that story. Plus, two historic high-rises on State Street are facing demolition. But preservationists are trying to stop that plan. We'll get the latest for our What's That Building series. But first, Governor Pritzker is pledging to fight the opioid crisis in Illinois with a focus on equity. His 2022 overdose action plan brings new mental health and recovery services to Chicago's neighborhoods and other areas that are dealing with this deadly epidemic. We're working to end the racial disparities that come from historical institutional failures. Recovery belongs in all of our communities, but accessibility is key to getting people on the road to success. Nearly 3,000 residents died of an opioid overdose in 2020. That's up 33% from the year prior. Now, in a few moments, we're going to hear from two people who are working to fight this issue on the west side of Chicago. First, let's check in with the state's new chief behavioral health officer, David Jones. He officially starts his new job tomorrow. David, welcome to Reset. Thank you, Sasha. Thank you for having me. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm excited about the opportunity, and um, I think uh, certainly uh, the uh, overdose action plan that the governor announced uh, is really, I think, quite comprehensive, and we're looking forward to uh, making progress. Well, before we dive into the governor's opioid plan, David, uh, talk more about your new role and some of the issues that fall under the behavioral health umbrella. Sure. So, um, the you know, the major goal will be about transforming uh, how Illinois supports mental, emotional, and overall behavioral health wellness for all Illinoisans. And, and uh, my work will be to work with uh, a number of the uh, leaders and, and others uh, throughout the state uh, to uh, help to coordinate uh, and integrate some of the behavioral health uh, services, some of the great work that's actually happening, and then figure out where those gaps are occurring and and, uh, do work to um, obviously cover uh, those gaps. You previously served as the Director of Substance Abuse or Substance Use Prevention, rather, and, and Recovery at the State's Department of Human Services. How will you build on that work to tackle opioids? Yeah, so it's it's really um, it's been uh, with the Department of Human Services the commitment around addressing the opioid epidemic. Uh, we have you know really worked uh, hard, and so what we know, for example, is we saw during the pandemic uh, an increase in overdose deaths that ranged from 17 to 45 percent, 17 percent in small urban and suburban communities, 26 percent in rural communities and 45% in large urban environments, predominantly the south and west sides of Chicago. So there was uh, considerable work done to expand uh, evidence-based practices that address opioid use disorder, like expanding medication-assisted recovery, um, and doing uh, other work in terms of expanding how we um, utilize, for example, harm reduction. And so that was work that was done uh, with super, and that's work that we'll continue to do um, as we move to um, implement the overdose action plan. So let's let's talk about the plan. Give us an overview of it and how it all came together. Sure. So it, it really uh, built upon the previous uh, pillars of prevention, 
treatment and recovery um, and very intentional responses to uh, mitigate against overdose deaths. And so, uh, as you mentioned in the opening, we are really looking at it through more of a social equity lens as we proceed, uh, looking at those um, individuals who are involved in the um, uh, justice system uh, as, as well as, as they are reentering, and then uh, also looking at harm reduction, uh, looking to say, let's, let's take a population health approach to get upstream to help those individuals who are well stay well. Uh, the plan is really saying, so we recognize that the disease is both a mental illness and addiction or chronic diseases. And so um, let's take an approach uh, that uh, is very much a healthcare approach uh, geared towards uh, looking at prevention, early intervention, treatment and recovery, um, and again, helping folks to uh, those who are well stay well so they don't, if you will, progress uh, down that continuum towards um, uh, experiencing um, the challenges that come with um, more significant uh, addiction and mental illness. How would you say that this plan is different from the approach of previous administrations? Well, I think that it's different in a couple of ways. One, uh, again, as I, I think as we look at it through uh, the social equity lens and say that we know that the uh, opioid epidemic has had a disproportionate impact on some of the marginalized communities and certainly uh, those communities of color and looking at strategies that certainly take into account um, how we um, address those issues. And so this plan has uh, really pulled together stakeholders from um, those communities. This plan has, um, in addition, looked at um, the people uh, with lived experience, people uh, who use drugs, faith leaders, uh, elected officials, and others, and said, let's figure out collectively um, how, again, we address these issues. Again, understanding the disparate uh, impact it has had on some of those um, communities. And so I think that's different. And then from a harm reduction uh, perspective, we also are saying, so, you know, what's the, what's the great evidence around harm reduction? And we have, for example, this plan has us rolling out um, access Narcan, so the uh, naloxone medication that addresses um, an overdose. Um, we have a, 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 a statewide strategy that gets naloxone um, into providers, families, individuals, uh, so that um, they can have that medication available to reverse overdoses um, whenever they need it. And so that's those two components make this plan uh, even different than previous plans. In a few moments, we are going to hear from two outreach workers on the west side. But can you talk, David, about the, the impact that opioids have had on the west side of Chicago? Well, as I mentioned, the the 45% increase uh, in overdose deaths that we saw predominantly in large urban communities, uh, that the impact, again, was mostly on the south and west sides. And so uh, what we have also done is made even more efforts to get, as I mentioned, not only naloxone as a medication uh, to reverse those opioid epidemics, but worked with 
uh, some of the providers on the west side to ensure that they have more of the tools and that we're in making in, uh, increased investments uh, to help them to be able to address uh, some of the uh, the increase in overdoses that we've seen that we're seeing on the west side of Chicago. Well, before I let you go, what else are you going to be focused on as you start your new role? Well, uh, certainly it, we we want to uh, we are going to work uh, uh, in 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 the most comprehensive manner uh, to make sure that we are listening to. Uh, people in the community, and for that matter, people across, um, uh, throughout the state of Illinois, uh, to, to, get the, to get their feedback, to get their input, and to hear what solutions they have so that, you know, we collectively uh, really try to do everything we can to mitigate against both this epidemic and, and the diseases of addiction and mental illness. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and we've been speaking with Illinois' new Chief Behavioral Health Officer, David Jones. David, thanks for your time. Thank you for having me. Let's turn now to two people who are working on the ground to fight the opioid epidemic here in Chicago. Gail Richardson is an outreach specialist with the Westside Heroin and Opioid Task Force. Hi, Gail. Thanks for joining us. Hi. How are you? Doing well. And Luther Sias is director of outreach with the task force. Hi, Luther. Welcome. Good morning, Sasha. How are you? Doing well, Luther. I'll, I'll start with you. Tell us your thoughts on the governor's new overdose action plan and, and what we just heard from David Jones. Well, I think the, the plan is something that was greatly needed because uh, it what it's doing is bringing service providers together. Where And you probably heard the old cliche, or more of a wraparound program for the people at need, especially those in the community that are using and where the overdoses are taking place. Back in 2019, uh, we were asked to take over the task force or to work with the task force. It had been organized, but it didn't have the functioning components that uh, state rep thought it should have, and he asked us if we would take it and and get out there and save lives. And so we took it upon ourselves, and we have this street outreach crew, and we actually worked the streets, the alleys, uh, the underpasses, we get out there where people are, and we train them and their friends how to use uh, the naloxone to reverse overdoses. And we also try and engage with them to get to know their families and other people in the community so we could train as many as possible because if a person is having an overdose, they can't use a kit on themselves. So we took it upon ourselves to uh, do more of an outreach in the community and also, we put out educational piece because we think the best way to get the community involved and understand what's happening is get educational pieces of information out there. And therefore, that began to give us more support from the common community. And also, we began to get more of the service providers to collaborate with us and actually come out in the various spots where we were working the streets and bring their services where we could actually do warm handoffs right there on the street if the person needed meds or if they were looking for treatment mm -hmm. or other resources such as getting IDs. A lot of people are homeless. IDs are expired or they don't have any at all. So I think the new plan gives us an opportunity to integrate all of these programs in the community that's needed to uh, address and attack this, this great uh, uh, 
problem we, we have with the overdose and the overdose death. So that's some of the things that we've been doing. And I right. have, like, Gail is one of our great leaders out there and team members because I believe in bringing people in if, if we can uh, make our staff basically centered around people with lived experience, mm-hmm. people from the community, people that know the language and can engage. That's what's been giving us a, a great degree of success. Uh, people like Gail, Roger, yeah. Keith. And well, well, the members we have. Let's hear from from Gail. Uh, Gail, you've you've been with the task force for about four years now. Talk to us about how you got involved in this outreach work. Well, I am a recovering addict as well, and I was introduced to uh, Luther, and I said I need to give back because I once wore those shoes. So I just take pride in coming out every day. I put on the full armor when I come out. Because I always tell myself I'm no better than they are because that was once me. So when I go out to the community every day, I introduce myself. I listen to their stories, and I'll tell them my story if it's going to help. If I don't help but one person a day, at least I did something that day. And we take the time, and we also talk to the people that say, well, I don't use drugs. We let them know it's not for you. It's for you to save someone else. You might have a family member or a friend, or you just might see someone on the street with an overdose. Mm -hmm. You'll know how to use it to save their life. I want to hear more about what each of those days look like for you, Gail, when you're out there. You know, as you're you're telling them your story, can you feel the impact in that moment? Sometimes I can. Yes, I can. I, I really like when they actually stand there and they listen And they'll say, well, can you get me in treatment? Can you get me on medication? As as Mr. Sayer says, we have providers right there with us. And they'll take over from that point. They'll either put them in a Lyft or Uber. We even have a doctor that will actually drive them to the hospital. Because when they say what they want to go right now, that means they want to go. Because if you can't take them right there, they'll change their mind. We have people come up to us and tell us, thank you for being out here. They appreciate us. And we give them uh, different literature to let them know what fentanyl is, what is harm reduction, what is best for your family. We have people that want their family members to go in. Like we explained to them, we can't. All we can do is introduce it to them. How has the pandemic changed your work? How has it changed my work? Yeah. I think the epidemic has made me, you know, since we worked out there all during the pandemic, we worked, we were out there in the streets. Mm -hmm. And I watched hurting people, suffering people. And it made me just put more, I try to, my heart is already in it. I just try to give them all that I got, empty myself to them. If this is going to help them and help me as well. Some people help me by listening by me hearing their story. Because like I said, that once was me. And I tell myself that still could have been me. Yeah, for sure. Luther, what other resources do you need on the city and and state level? Say that again. What other resources would help you uh, on the city and state level? Well, on the city and state level, the resources that would help us would be agencies that are funded to provide the various programs if we could increase our collaboration 
we're looking to work with some of them. Uh, uh, they, they, they're in an attempt to bring vans out with staff on it. If, if those are having the, those kind of resources will be really grateful for us. And we would also like to expand our team, uh, dollars to expand the team because we really could attack the uh, a problem from more angles and more spots because sometimes we work from uh, the heat map to see what's happening in various areas. So sometimes we're kind of chasing uh, the, the hot spots. And uh, if we had uh, twice the size of the team we had, we could actually cover more areas and mm-hmm. service more people. But the collaboration, I think, is the greatest need, and, it, and we've gotten – the greatest results from the collaboration with the partners. And more of that would definitely be great. And to piggyback on something, uh, Gail, you know, we, we we wear our full armor year-round. We're out there. We have our, our – and we work out of the cars or the trucks when it's really cold. But we still get out there because our clients are still out there, mm-hmm. you know. And the only time we are not really out there is when it's a heavy rain because very few people – are out there at that time. But other than that, we're out there year round. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and as Gail said, all through the uh, the pandemic, oh, Gail, yeah. Gail, folks are listening right now at home. What do you want to say to them to, to help them understand about this opioid epidemic here in Chicago? What should they know? To tell, I wish that you just quit. It's not that easy. Saying just quit won't do it. They have to make up in their mind and they have to get tired, tired of themselves. And they have to be prepared at home as well to listen to them. If they need some help, don't just tell if don't just tell them, go get some help. You have to be there to support them. They need a good support system. That's Gail Richardson, an outreach specialist with the West Side Heroin and Opioid Task Force. Also, Luther Sias, the Task Force Director of Outreach. Gail and Luther, thank you both. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.